0: Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and I am... Alongside, as always, Mr. Monsieur Casey clap Oui, wee oui, wee! Oui.
1: Bonjour, Alex. I hope you're doing great. Casey, you're hot. You're coming in hot. Hey, like I always do. Everyone knows this. Casey's, uh, Casey's a firebrand. I actually dreamed the other day about yelling at someone about a tree and uh, being very vocal about making them stop cutting it. Mm. There was no actual situation, but I was convinced that sometime it's probably gonna happen again. Casey, what's your sign? What's your birth sign? Uh, I'm a Virgo. Okay. Yeah, late Virgo, though, I'd have to get my star sheet that was done by my um, delightful old elderly neighbor. Oh. Um, She she did a handwritten star sheet for me.
0: Wow. Or
1: astrology sheet. I guess I, I can't recall the exact term.
0: That's some OG hippie shit. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, she's good. Like, the whole thing... Like calculated by hand. Yeah. It's stunning. Based on where I was born and my birthday.
0: Right. Very mm-hmm. cool. Uh, Casey, this week's tree is the Italian Cypress. That is correct. Have you ever heard of it? Cupresso Semperiense.
1: Yeah. That was good. That Buongiorno. was good. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Uh,
0: Casey, the Italian Cypress. How about that? Yeah. So, this
1: tree, I'm very excited about it. I think you have cones for this tree right over there.
0: I sure do. This was one of the, actually, one of the first trees that I learned to identify when we mm-hmm. first started this podcast. Yeah. And there are a few specimens down the road for me that create a hedge. Yes,
1: that's correct. And
0: I plucked a cone, a young, almost green cone from uh, mm-hmm. from its branches, uh, like the first week we started sh- making the show. Yeah, I believe I still have it, and it opened up in its in its still in the <laughs> way it does.
1: Yeah, each scale there has uh, between I think seven and twenty little seeds on it on a on a cone scale.
0: For real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a cypress?
1: In a cypress? Well, at least specifically the Italian cypress, Cupressus sempervirens.
0: Let's get into it, Casey. Let's imagine like we do every week that you and I are walking through the Italian countryside. Ah, mm. molto bene, and we come across a uh what do you call that a row of trees on the side of a road oh
1: an alley. yes an alley. yeah
0: an a lay mm. next to a road of of uh a dirt road
1: yeah going to some you know uh, villa yes where owned. we'll eat
0: where we'll eat ham and cheese and pizza
1: yes and drink
0: red wine mm. ah. oh the time we spent in tuscany
1: <sighs> take me back alex <laughs> <laughs> uh casey let's id this tree Let's do it. So the easiest the first thing again you're walking up to this tree and you see this alley that you're you're walking by. Yeah. You you a, you know it's an alley cuz you got these two lines of trees on either side of this excess path or this roadway, but they are perfectly uh, Grow. They grow perfectly upright, and they're very columnar in form.
0: Now, here's my first question. Yes. Is that by human interaction, or is that ah, how it grows?
1: That is such a good question. I used to think that's just how it grows, bros. <laughs> but... Turns out, no, crows. Okay. It doesn't do it that way. This tree is so old in terms of cultivation and like interaction with humans Mm -hmm. that it has likely been grown as a festigent variety but thousands of years ago but nobody's ever kept track they just had this tree so there are these two versions and so scientists have been like on the cusp of saying these are two different varieties of these trees one grows with a horizontal branching pattern similar to the Monterey Cypress. Okay. And then they also say, well, there's also this other variety, this naturally occurring differences in species or in uh, morphological characters that this one grows very fastigiate, very upright and formal looking.
0: Fastigiate. That's yes. just upright and narrow?
1: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so they thought that for a long time and then other people like, ah, maybe not. Like it actually, you can kind of interbreed with them and the you don't have a true to seed reproduction. So sometimes an upright variety will pop out seeds that have the horizontal variety, oh. and vice versa. Interesting. So they're thinking it's less of a uh, uh, an absolute trait. It's more like, eh, like an absolute trait that makes them natural varieties, they're thinking, ah, that was probably someone found that, cultivated it, and now it's just been growing. Sure. My thing is, way back then, they didn't really have the 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 wherewithal to do the kind of grafting and that kind of work you'd need. So if they had a upright growing tree, they probably took seeds from it, planted that, and got more upright trees, mm. which leads you more to say, well, maybe this is a variety, because you get most, like, they just didn't really do... The same kind of cultivation that say the the Chinese or the Japanese were doing at this sure. time for just natural trees that didn't have any specific you know uh, benefit. I guess I don't, I don't. That's a large term, but they don't provide food. They're not big shade oh, trees. You yeah. don't do a whole lot. I mean, I'm sure there's a, a medicinal value. Probably get um, different things from the leaves in terms like you know. Uh, vitamin c stuff like that
0: i would say they're they are a you know we talk about like uh we talk about a working tree you know
1: yeah right
0: or something that a tree that gives something back mm-hmm. you know or a farm tree like yeah, a hedge tree exactly this like is, you leave it
1: outside it doesn't come in during the night yes that's just, a hawthorn exactly yeah <laughs> uh
0: this is just like a i don't know this is like a um museum tree it just yeah it, yeah it serves a very specific purpose in my yeah, mind yeah
1: exactly but that purpose isn't necessarily like a utilitarian purpose like yeah. it doesn't doesn't help yeah. it's aesthetic exactly yeah that's exactly the it's right vain. it is <laughs> Ew, this, this is that's a perfect thing there are some words alex that when we talk about this uh-huh. it sticks in my brain as to something i want to take into consideration during the review wow. period where when you can give and this is i know like the thing about the show that I love so much is mm-hmm. that we can talk all science for whatever reason or no science doesn't matter and then at the end of it just have this like 100% anthropomorphized view of this tree yeah. and then, like no this tree sucks from my perspective yes I also think it's vain I yeah. love that Like, I, I it think it's very
0: sad. important that we can spend an hour talking about science and then throw it all away for a <laughs> yeah. goofy gimmick um,
1: that yeah, is that yeah. is our podcast and we've <laughs> <That is. laughs>
0: we've really grown into that ah uh, Doesn't make everybody all that happy, but it makes us happy.
1: Yeah, exactly. So thanks for the, you know. Anyway.
0: Yeah, this is a vain tree. (laughs) Yeah, it Um, is. But however, Casey, this tree does do something kind of cool. Yeah. And that it is a conifer.
1: Yes. So it of course produces cones. Yes.
0: Let's talk Mm cypress, Italian cypress cone.
1: So the cypress cone is a really circular ball. It's it has um, this one specifically, um, it has 8 to 20 seeds on each fertile scale, and it has like 8 to 14 or so opposite scales.
0: They must be quite small, no?
1: They they are. They're quite small, but they also kind of uh, move around a little bit. So, hmm. like, there's some really tiny ones on the top and really big ones on the side. But it's, uh, th- it looks to me like a, it's from a movie, and I don't know what. I think it's from Star Wars in some way. The uh, cone itself? Yeah, where like, maybe it's from uh, a Star Trek or something, where like it looks like it's a perfectly closed, like tight sphere. Mm-hmm. And then it like expands out. And it's like, and then like each one of the scales kind of pulls itself out and then it has like these these scales that come off of this main sort of central stem hmm. but it looks like i it's i i don't know what movie oh, it is oh interesting but it looks like an alien thing but like a machine not an actual like organic thing yes that then like basically it expands out like rotates and then like comes back in <laughs> yeah like like some kind of i don't know magic thing
0: i i feel like i know what you're referring to but i can't yeah. i also cannot nail okay, it down okay yeah casey these cones are um uh What's that word?
1: Adorable. The shield-like. Peltate. Peltate. That is the term. They are, and each one has like a little point at the very end of it. Yeah. And that is, that. people say that's what makes it look like a shield, but I think peltate is, as far as I know, a broader term. You don't have to have that point. But that is a, an umbo. It's an armed uh, apophysis, which is the, the tip of the scale. The armament on it is called the umbo.
0: I will say this about these cones. When they're all closed up and and kind of grayish brown, yeah, they look they look a bit like dog shit.
1: You think so?
0: Will you forgive me for saying so? I
1: I will forgive you this time. But yeah, I I can see that. Like if they're all kind of laying out there, maybe like big big goat poop or something. Yes,
0: Casey, look at this photo I have. Oh
1: yeah, that's totally true. In fact, it's in the tree, but it looks like it's laying down in grass. Yeah, yeah. In fact, from here, even worse. That's rough.
0: Yeah. it's not a great look yeah that's not a great look for a tree that values its aesthetic aesthetic yeah exactly
1: but then again um this tree is native to the like uh eastern northern mediterranean region Mm. it's been able to spread throughout there but that kind of just reminds me of like the greeks in the the romans where like the 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 poopy part of the world was like a just a given like you would have a conversation with a senator while he's sitting on his privy or like you would oh, be sure. in a bathhouse in like an ancient greek city and everyone would be like sitting there and they're pooping and they're doing all this other shit and like they're yeah. just hanging out they're talking they're making deals so yeah. i i can kind of see that the tree is like gorgeous and beautiful but at the same time like poop is a part of its culture sure so that's I you know what i i I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm gonna I, i'll give it a i'll give it a pass right now i'll give it a bathroom pass all
0: right Oh, a bathroom pass! Yeah. Very, very well done. Yeah, see,
1: you you can say really funny things uh, that go way beyond me because they're too deep, mm. and I just make bathroom jokes. Well, we all have our lot in life. <laughs> we do. Mine is stinky. Uh, Casey, let's talk leaves. <laughs> oh, the leaves! Honestly, this is one of my favorite things about con or not conifers specifically, but the cypresses. So these are scale like leaves, mm-hmm. and they are oppositely arranged along the stem. And they are what's called decusset. Are you familiar with that term? Decusset.
0: Is yeah. that where they lay flat on the stem? That
1: is where they lay flat, but then they switch like this. So oh. they, they, they have like an X shape to them okay. um, if you look at them in cross section. As
0: they go down, they rotate 90 degrees each scale. Tur- yes, scale, Exactly. Well they're they're oh so that isn't that just they're alternately arranged
1: Yeah yeah it, that's more or less but like you you can have alternately arranged that are also in the same plane so that they don't necessarily rotate 90 degrees Oh okay Yeah so the decussate means they have like an X shape to them so if okay. you look at them from the side they'll have the one here and the one here like a cross shape more or less
0: Hey speaking of trees.
1: Yeah exactly a lot of trees references here
0: Okay, yeah, I see that in those.
1: Yeah, and then uh, they're also like this really dark um, dark green most of the time. Can They They can kind of get a little bit purpley, or not purpley, more like a bluish tinge to them.
0: Yeah, they got a bit of a juniper color. Yeah,
1: and they are really closely related to the juniper. They are a sister uh, phylum, or sister um, monophyletic group, clade. Wow. Cool. So you have all the cypresses over here and all their ilk, and then the junipers split off from them some time ago. Hmm. And they have a little dorsal gland is what they call it. So a gland that produces a little tiny bit of resin. Mm. So that, of course, explains why it smells so good good i
0: see the resin is is the good smell stuff
1: yeah exactly so you crush the leaves and that, those resin glands kind of break open and you get that really citrusy you know piney i want to say I, I don't want to say piney because they're not piney but everyone knows the pine tree and the fir tree that they have that flavor to them yeah has the same thing except i think that cypresses are a little more sharp okay they're they're not as mellow if you if you break a fir needle, grand fir, for instance, they'll be really full of the citrus and the the pine tree kind of Christmas tree scent. Mm-hmm. but they for whatever reason they feel like a soft smell to me. okay. Whereas if you have a foliage from a juniper or a cypress tree, I think that they get a way more sharper, intense smell. I
0: get that, you know, it's a bit more astringent.
1: Yeah, that might be the term, yeah. So, but they're really beautiful. They're like, they cover their little stems and their stems pop out in every direction. So you get like these, these really wild looking, like little cattail kind of things that pop up everywhere. And like these, just the stems are perfectly scale armored. Mm. Each one, maybe an eighth or maybe, maybe a quarter of an inch wide. Like they're really thin and skinny. Then they just look so beautiful. Like they yeah. just grow out and they, they don't look messy when you get close when you look at them close up you're like those are very cleanly put together little uh, leaves but then as you step away because they kind of all go out in different angles and different uh plains, they yeah. look somewhat messy from afar.
0: I will say, this is one of my favorite types, a cypress is one of my favorite types of tree to run my hands through the needles.
1: Yeah, totally. It's Especially like, you go like with the grain, yeah. and it's just like,
0: whew, yeah, It's and then you, like a little massage.
1: Yeah, I totally see that, and that's because they're not sharp. Junipers, they have the, those sharp needles on them as oh. well. They're sharp, all like scale leaves.
0: Cypress is the softer, softer sister.
1: Exactly. It does not have any of those juvenile-like foliage. Interesting,
0: Casey. Let's talk bark.
1: Oh, the bark. Honestly, utility bark, baby. Wow, nothing no. interesting. I know it. It stays really kind of thin um, as it gets, uh, as it stays young. But as it gets older, it kind of develops a little bit like a furrowiness to it, and it kind of it looks like the bark almost twists a little bit, which is pretty cool. I think it's fine
0: that it's utility. You can't yeah. even see the fucking thing. Exactly.
1: Usually it's way, like, completely covered by the branches and stuff. Right? Yeah. But as it gets older, as you get, like, one of those bigger ones that grows more horizontal, you can probably get a good look at it. But it's very, like, it looks like a paintbrush kind of went there. But, like, mm. you know, like, old artists, like the famous ones, when they have their brush stokes, it's kind of like they do a quick, like, whoosh, and they kind of flip at the end or something like that. Sure. So you don't get these long, perfectly straight lines. Uh-huh. That's what I see with this, where it looks like, You have a bunch of different paint strokes that are short, that are long. Some go a little bit off to the left. Some go a little bit off to the right. Some go perfectly straight, so the lines kind of all intermingle. Yeah, That's what I see when they're young. When they get older, just imagine that was an acrylic paint that is now cracking.
0: I mean, that sounds kind of nice.
1: It does. I guess that – I mean, it is nice, but I guess it's – Hmm. I don't know, I'm torn. I'm it's it's right on the cusp like you could again, it's the same thing about this tree or the the ilk of this tree. you could lump it one way or you could split it another. Casey Alex, I don't know what kind of bark this is
0: almost by design <laughs> Today we're talking taxonomy. Oh yes, yes we are. The wild world of. And uh, we, we can't do that before the break, Casey. No, we
1: can't. We have to take our time.
0: Let's hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with Completely Arbitrary. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking Cyprus Italiano. Uh, <laughs> I
1: love that. Cypress Italiano. You got it.
0: Uh, Cuperessu? Uh, Capressus. 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 Why don't you just do the Italian? No. Let's, let's start that over. <laughs> let's pretend I just said Cypress Italiano.
1: Capressus Sempervirens. That's exactly right.
0: Wow. Uh, why exactly are we talking about taxonomy? Let's, def- <sighs> let's first define taxonomy for anybody listening who this doesn't is, know.
1: It's a great question. So taxonomy is... In the broadest sense, the naming and ordering of living things. Wonderful, And it is also called systematics, where they are trying to, um, for lack of a better term, systematically order the world in terms of life.
0: This, uh, this may sound very one-on-one for the listeners of this podcast, who most of them are, you know, tree people or scientific-based yeah. people. Uh-huh. But when we talk about, you know, genus of tree and species of tree and mm-hmm. family and order and clade and all that all that nonsense. Yeah. This is taxonomy.
1: Exactly. It's
0: that funnel, that ki- that's precisely. The domain, the it- kingdom, hold on. <laughs> ah, the yes. phylum, the class, the order, the family, yeah. the genus, Woo. and my favorite, the species.
1: The species, capital T.
0: Now I want to come up with a completely arbitrary acronym for this. Oh,
1: you mean like the old ones, like uh, the mnemonics? A mnemonic device, yeah, yeah. It was like, King Philip came over for getting spices or something sure. like that. The, you also hit on the big thing, like that is what taxonomy ultimately is. Yes. And... The it, it's such a huge topic, like it's really hard to like cover the whole thing here. And a lot of the stuff we're going to be getting is from a book called Naming Nature by Carol Keswick Yoon.
0: Carol Keswick Yoon, yes,
1: or it, should, it might be Kasich Yoon, but mm. um, generally you can find her online at Car uh, Carol Yoon, two O's, um, online. And Carol wrote this book, Naming Nature, and essentially was like, Yeah, I'm just gonna write a quick book on how to like what. Taxonomy is. And then in the book, she admits, like, holy shit, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Oh, wow. It goes way further than you ever thought that it ever did. Yeah. And it's really kind of a funny thing when you think about it because everyone everyone kind of knows and if you do any scientific things like naming plants, everyone says, "Well, you know, here's the here's our system of naming, taxonomy." And people say it was invented by Carl Linnaeus. We've talked about Carl Linnaeus. Linnaeus. Yes, he's the Swedish botanist who um started it all. I uh, I put this in quotes. Yeah. Um, and he started, or he wrote a book called Sistema Natura, which is actually, I shouldn't have added that French R. It's Latin, Sistema Natura. Okay. And or Natura. And essentially, that was he writing this book where he said, I... And we need an organization for all the things that we're naming. Yeah. Because the the French have a name for it. The Spanish have a name for it. The Russians, they have a name for Mm. it. But and he was based out of Swedish. So I'm I'm naming all these countries in Europe that was in his kind of uh, orbit. Sure. And so he would say, Well, we gotta we gotta come up with a a standardized system for naming things. But not only that, we have to come up with a standardized system of how those things should be ordered. So you can name something, but then everyone's like, well, where is it? It's just this nebulous thing floating around. It's a good idea. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, we'll get into why it makes sense uh, also.
0: It does does remind me of, like, dumping, like, a 30,000-piece puzzle out on the floor. Uh Uh-huh. And everybody's like, Gets in a circle. All right, let's put this together. Where's the reference image? What are we what are we trying to do? Yeah. And you're like, there is none. Have
1: fun. Good luck. But yeah. then each person like has a different vision of where what it should look like. Right. So that's that is the real the real key to this. Hey. Where It's like a
0: good, like, uh, this is like a good, like, 12 Angry Men type movie. Oh,
1: yeah. Each one, like, thinks it should be a different way. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, this is, this, that is exactly what we're talking about today.
0: Somebody get to writing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Please, we need it. Wow, Carl or Carol already did. Oh, Carol, I, yeah, I yes. Should, I'm, Sorry, Carol. Messing up Carol and Carl Linnaeus, so I have to keep those straight today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Carl. Yeah.
1: Um. So he did this, like he created this this first like universal thing, and he also came up with the binomial name that genus wow. and species name. Yeah. And his entire idea is let's take all of these different things that are closely related, lump them together, and then put them in these nested little sections, like the little Russian dolls. Mm -hmm. But those Russian dolls, instead of having a smaller one, they actually get bigger as you go further down. Wow. So you have all the, the pine species, and then those are then lumped into one genus, pinus. Then you have everything that is within that or closely related to that genus within the family. Now you have that pine family, so on and so forth, and you go up that ladder you just described to the family, order, class, phylum, genus, mm-hmm. all that. So as you're doing that, everyone's like, okay, this kind of makes sense. I'm, I'm really enjoying this. He um, Everyone thought, Carl, this is brilliant. Like, this makes total sense to me. It makes sense to these people. We all can do this. And he said, but we need to come up with one name. So he invented the Latin binomials.
0: Pause, please. Yeah. We fucked up a bit. How? We need, I want to I say this. Casey, why Italian Cyprus? Let's ah. tease why we're talking about, because we took such a hard left turn after the break. I'm afraid people are going to get whiplash. Oh, Podcast yeah. whiplash. It's a serious oh, problem. Totally. Why the Italian cypress? Why why discussion of taxonomy mm-hmm. when it comes to the Italian cypress? Fantastic question. <sighs> I and, should have asked it earlier. I'm oh, sorry. that's yeah.
1: That's you're you're fine. Luckily, we're gonna come back to it around. Like it'll it'll all tie back into it. Yes, but
0: it needs something to come back around. We got it. Yeah,
1: let's whet the appetite. The cypress trees, the genus Cupressus, has been the just. It's it's hard to even like really understate it. The they've been the point, the apex of debates over essentially lumping and splitting, right and. They have, like, that genus has been ripped apart, mashed back together. Certain bits have been pulled off. They found new species and don't know what to do with them. And then Mm. they say, well, this is a completely new genus. And they've done so much back and forth over, like, a matter of essentially 10 or so years. They started to, like, really dial it in, like, in the mid-2000s. But... Taxonomy, um, as you'll learn when you inevitably read uh, naming nature, is something that literally somebody just made up. And it, there is no science to it. Right. In the way that we would expect, okay, science is math. You know, you, you add this, you do this, you have this, like this is this because of this, and there now you have this. In taxonomy, it's what you're looking at, where ultimately, historically before the mid to, mid uh, mid 1900s we only looked at things and took our microscopes and said this cone looks just like this cone or this leaf or this anatomy this morpho- morphological character mm-hmm. looks just like this one even though the trees are different in some other way so these are two different species but their cones or their flowers or their you know pollen look really similar so we're going to lump those together that's that's how we did it but you could look in a micro or in the microscope and see something, and say that's just a little bit different, not enough to make it a different genus, you know, which is a pretty big, you know, expanse. Like you are pulling it from a different species, one genus, to multiple different genus with only a single species in each genus, right?
0: The the how about this, Casey? Yeah, the cypress family uh-huh. is sort of the uh, the Stark family. In terms of, it is an unwilling casualty, wrong place, wrong time yeah. in this hundred year war on taxonomy.
1: That is the perfect explanation. Alex, this is why you're here with me. When I can't babble my way into a very succinct, understandable sentence, mm-hmm.
0: you do. That's that's ex- that's extremely meaningful to me, Casey. That, no, Thank that you. That was perfect. It's, it is the Stark family.
1: <laughs> That is that's a perfect that's a perfect descriptor.
0: They don't always land, folks, but they, sometimes they do.
1: <laughs> and they have today. That is, that is exactly it. So okay. the talk about taxonomy is revolving around this, this tree. And really it's around this tree, but also all the other trees that are around it as well. Mm. And the reason that it's around this tree particularly is that taxonomy, especially if it is a, um, a plant species that was in Linnaeus' realm, he named it first. And if he named it first, because that's basically the point zero in our modern taxonomy. Yeah. Anything that has a name that someone says, "Oh, this is this looks like this tree. I'm going to call it Cupressus cupressiæ." Uh, then someone says, "No, that's that is the Italian cypress. It already has a name. Someone already described it. You have to go back and give precedent to whoever described it the first time, like previously. I see. So if uh, someone two different people find the same tree one printed it and described it in 1984 the mm. other did it in 1884 the 1884 one has precedent and that's the name you stick with
0: is this just like a, uh, a, a an honor system is this written down somewhere in the bylaws of the, uh, the <laughs> S- Council of Science you
1: know I think there is there is there's like an international um, database of these things okay. and there, there are like people meet up about this there's like you know Hall always with leather bound books of these people studying the sure thing. sure um, but it is old-fashioned in that way where this is the um the canon this is the uh uh what there's another term i'm looking mm. for and i can't think of it um convention it is the convention i see and the convention is not you know i think someone has it written down there are some rules but there's no there's no like basis for those rules yeah. everyone just kind of got together and said yeah let's do it like this. Does that is that the best name? No, it doesn't matter. That's the first name, right? So it doesn't always make a whole lot of sense. But you're exactly right. There is some there is some group, um, but it's just a group of people who decided something, and now that is.
0: I do amount. I mean, if it if it if this matters at all, uh, I do imagine a semicircle of hooded figures in a <laughs> in a stone cathedral
1: and a giant oak table with a single candle in the middle uh-huh. yeah that's it this is that's these people yeah <laughs> well, so the reason that that our our discussion is is literally wrapped around our Italian cypress here is that it is what's called the type species type species yeah, have you heard that term before uh
0: no, I don't think we've ever talked about that. Oh,
1: I love when new things come
0: up me too it's fun,
1: so the type species is the the species that is indicative of the type it is of course the typical species
0: oh okay,
1: yeah, so you see typical type that kind of thing, right
0: yeah so
1: the uh the idea of what that means is it is oh like uh, typecast uh
0: you would say an actor is typecast they play the same role at, so they become that kind of that sees them as that sort of
1: i think that's i think you're on the right page obviously it's the similar term usage yes but let me let me like close it in a little bit more the idea is um a type is a, a type species that is the thing that represents that kind of thing. So if you say this is a cypress, you compare it to the type species to say, well, how cypress-like is it?
0: Oh, okay. It is the quintessential cypress. Exactly. Everything else must be compared to this cypress to see how cypressy it is.
1: Exactly. That is precisely it. And so then that's that then makes it the name of the genus where you say this is a capressus sempervirens. Anything else that they say is also a capressus whatever else. And there's mm-hmm. I think this is a question between like thirty three and 12 species depending on who you ask they will say that the uh because this is the first one in the the archetypal cypress lowercase c everyone will say this looks like it and if it doesn't look like it this one has to be renamed to a different genus wow it cannot be a cypress because this is the cypress even if everything else changes Capressus sempervirens will always be the Capressus sempervirens. Okay. And that was named by Linnaeus specifically. So you can't even go further back than that. Linnaeus oh. is the he's the the point of origin for all Wow. These. So if someone else did it and they say, "Well, actually Linnaeus already identified that," then you go with the Linnaean name.
0: Wow. So, he- so the the Italian cypress is like The true this is the 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 truest Cypress.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: The most OG of the OG.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. What are some
0: other let's can can we take a brief detour?
1: Ooh. What is a
0: is there a type? uh what, what did you what was, type species type species like yeah. f, uh fir oh God. Or
1: pine you know i'm sure there is but i i don't i don't know that's a really good question
0: Should we elect some
1: yeah i i would think so but like okay so if there's a there's the, the term monotypic mm-hmm. means that there's a single type in a genus so it's a monotypic genus or something like that okay it means that there's a genus with just one species and that would oh. be obviously the type species for that genus. I see. So then if you want to add something to that genus, it has to be really close to that type species. So in this case, the um, it's probably inevitably going to be a European species um, or one of the first non-European species to be brought in to Europe. In this case, the... Uh, Italian cypress is the type species for cypress. Got it. So then that also makes it the, um, everything else that like could be closely related. So the caprese, or Capressaceae is the family. Mm-hmm. They have then decided that the cypresses are the type genus for that whole family. So now the family is named after that. Pinaceae is the same thing. Oh. So like pine is the archetypal thing for things in the pine family. Uh-huh. If the closer they are to pine, but not so close that they are considered Pinus the genus, they're a different genus but they're still underneath pine because pine is the archetypal oh, pine God. family thing. I, I know. Have... That's where we're stopping talking about this because that <laughs> <Casey's>, is yeah <laughs> casey's
0: reacting to the fact that i i just i just had like a minor i don't know i, know. So, I had an event of some kind in my brain
1: <laughs> it's because it's like this it's so much like weird abstraction you yes know? why is it so alex absurd this is this is this is so fascinating that question where it's only absurd because you don't like have experience in it
0: it's only so what Casey is saying is it's only absurd to idiots no
1: no like no no you I know you I swear that's not that's not what I'm saying Alex okay bro it is it is an experiential thing mm. where if this is what you like go into and you like put your your brain to it then you Can get it really easily. Okay, let me give you an example that you may understand. Oh wow, Pokemon.
0: Okay. Now you've you've totally fucked me here. No, everybody knows that I like Pokemon. No, you
1: liked Pokemon. It's fine. It can be either way. I'm thirty three years old. Hey, good. I still play in the dirt. I mean, you're okay. That's true. Yeah.
0: You're more of a toddler than me.
1: Hey, I'm not going to say one way or another how you are interacting with Pokemon today. <coughs> yes. But at one point, you interacted with it, I'm sure, quite a bit, as most people listening to this also probably did. Yes,
0: yes, and, at one point.
1: And you and everyone else probably could easily say, oh, well, that one's related to that one. That one's related to that one. These ones in this, like, certain, like, fire family or yes. something like that. okay. I don't know. So, just, just keep their types in Pokemon
0: case. Yeah. Fire type.
1: Thank you. Tight. See I made up fire actually. I wasn't sure. So oh yeah, you nailed that, it. Yeah, so for the I'm also giving away that I never did Pokemon <laughs> as a child. But you yeah, so that is something that you have experience with. Yes. You don't even need to memorize it. You don't need to look at it again like you just you have that in the bank. That's true. But there's also other things. Uh probably universes that you really enjoy that you can say, "Oh yeah, I I have that all ordered in my brain. I can see one of these things and I know what nested category it is within other nested categories right. within an entire world or universe or canon or whatever you want yeah you're right behind you is a poster of greek mythological (laughs) families you are, like, mm-hmm. all about that. So you probably also say, oh, well, he is in this realm, and this realm is underneath this realm, which right. is sister to this realm. Uh, not realm, I guess. I'm thinking, like, realm, like a a, a, a domain area. Like a you kingdom. Know? Yes, thank yes. you. Yeah. So it's that it's that kind of thing. So I happened to really, like, studying this when I was, like, my brain was a sponge in early college, and I'm like, I want to know everything about this. Yeah. And so then I did it, and I started abstracting and, and thinking about it is also very taught in a you know not abstract like here's the lines here's how everything's related mm. and then you could see really clearly like oh okay i see how these are all related now
0: okay i i you know i i i can appreciate i can really appreciate what you're saying casey because the amount of the amount of brain power i put into like i mean not not so much pokemon but like certainly like fool pff- oh. I mean I've had so many hobbies and yeah. uh, obsessions over the years as most people do. Anybody mm-hmm. who's ever like gotten really into Lord of the Rings for any appreciable amount of yeah. time,
1: it's a perfect it, Game of Thrones is a perfect example. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah. All of these any fantasy world is just scientific taxonomy.
1: Yeah, but just different f- fantasy. <laughs> yeah, in a different yeah. frame. That is precisely it, especially um, those that have such a big, deep background, because we have the entire existence of natural history as our, like, our universe in, yeah. in that kind of, you know, using that literal and figurative terminology. That's some deep lore. Exactly. It's deep lore. Mm-hmm. So we look at these things, but then we also, like, go backwards, and we try to figure it out. Now, remember how I said earlier that Linnaeus is not the first person to do this,
0: uh, I actually don't remember you saying that. I thought uh, you explicitly said that he was.
1: Sorry, he was the first person. I here's what I said. He is the first person to do it the way we do it in terms of like science. Okay, but he's not the only person to ever order and try to name things
0: okay who do we have
1: well even in europe i don't remember their names because they were unimportant to this conversation okay there's just other people who tried it like they just said i'm gonna order things but they would order it like like they grow as a tree therefore these are on the tree group they grow as grasses therefore they're on the grasses these have purple flowers so they're in the purple flower family
0: we call this the john method
1: yeah right and the john method is like well that it makes sense, but then what about this? Like, the leaves of these look exactly the same, but yeah. they're in different groups because one's tall, one's short. Yeah. You know? So it was like, well, how do we figure out what to do? The big thing with Linnaeus is he said, let's use flower and uh, fruit morphological characteristics and that is it. The leaves don't matter. They, really? they change, they're variable. Exactly. That's okay. what they're going with. And that is because those are the like the OG things that plants pass down to one another is most of the time the flowers and the fruit are oh. gonna be really similar. But then also the the anatomy of like the whole flower part, the anatomy of the pollen which would be in this realm, those things are big clues.
0: Wow, Kate, so is this why I can like one of the first things that I got really confident in uh-huh. was like cone identification. Yeah, yeah. So I could say I could look at a cone and be like, "Oh, that's a hemlock cone." Yeah. I could look at a fir cone and be like, "That's a fir cone mm-hmm. or a spruce cone," you know. That,
1: yeah, y- well, could, either one, sure.
0: Yeah, and then I could, but I, but I also would, I would tell you, like, it looks like a spruce cone, but it's got, it's got hemlock elements, you uh-huh. know. So is this because? trees are like conifers are are grouped it because uh due to their cone morphology yeah
1: exactly That's that is exactly it now they have that but then sometimes like the leaf arrangement or the leaf things also is a big thing so for instance oh. pines always have these uh five or two three and five right so you don't ever have a spruce that has that and if you do you might question like well is this actually a pine that has mm. a really sprucy cone or is this a weird spruce that has this other morphological characteristic? And this is
0: how we get false hemlocks.
1: Exactly. And that's how you have to look a little closer to kind of see what it is. Interesting. So, but you're, you're spot on, right? So that would the uh, would be the John method, but there is an entire, uh, an entire thing that we have been doing as, as humans. That is a quintessential literal innate part of what it is to be a human mm-hmm. which is naming and ordering the living things around us yeah everyone everywhere for all of time totally so everybody in like lost tribes and again i highly encourage everyone read uh, Carol's book because it's so good I- at explaining all of this. The tribes, and this is like all these things were done in the 60s and the 50s when we were, you know, like, oh, an untouched tribe in New Guinea. Oh, yeah. yeah. But really, it was like, an untouched tribe in New Guinea. Right. We shall go with our hats and our guns and look at them. Yeah. Poke them with
0: sticks. This is the 50s you're talking about? The in, 1950s? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Okay.
1: And like the just like after world war ii and science is like like national geographic is like we must go and find these peoples in these you know the middle of the amazon and that kind of thing i see so once we actually started talking to these people and started to study these native peoples without going through and being like hello we will conquer you you know we've at least progressed this far yeah and they are basically they say well what, what's, what are your languages? What do you call things? And they would have terms for all the same stuff that we do, just their own terms. And they would group everything and say, well, these mm. kinds of trees or these kinds of plants or these kinds of uh, fish or something like that are all connected. And they would have a term for fish. So when you think about it, like a, a squiggly underwater scaly thing. Someone everywhere has a name for those things. Right. Someone everywhere has a name for those four-legged things that hop and eat bugs and sometimes mm-hmm. have really fancy colors. They have a name for it. We call them frogs. They have a name for snakes. They have a name for those flying things. But here's where it gets interesting with these folk taxonomies, which are what they're called, is folk taxonomies – are based on folk
0: taxonomies. Isn't that
1: such a cool name? I love that. Yeah, it's a little nice. I, I feel like it's also a little, uh, a little bit insulting, where it's like, oh, this is a folk taxonomy, not a real taxonomy. I don't get that impression. Okay, good.
0: I, I actually, I think it's more prestigious and cool than oh, quote okay. taxonomy.
1: Good. All right, then I, I take it back. Maybe that's again just my interpretation. Sure. Well, we all have a different one. Alex, I'm so glad you said that. Because all these folk taxonomies are based off of this this concept, which is from a German word, which, again, the Germans sometimes do things so much better than than English speakers. It's called the Umwelt. Oh, yes. Spelled U-M-W-E-L-T. Yes. But the W is pronounced as a V. Um, Umwelt. Umwelt. And the Umwelt is... Defined as the world as a particular organism perceives it, or more more specifically, it is the perception of the world by a particular organism. Right. So that difference is that the organism sees and experiences the world the way that organism does. This is not only at the individual level. You, Alex Grossing, I, Casey Clapp, see the world differently. Like we have a different experience of the world yes. to our own selves. But also, so do entire peoples, and then so do entire organisms. So, in the grandest sense, a cat experiences the world the way a cat experiences the world. It's not how we do. It's not how a dog does. It's not how a bird does. Right. And so on and so forth. Yes. So, there is a unique, like, it's an innately human thing, the human umwelt, gives you the opportunity to see things the way that a human does. So we don't smell very well. So everything's really visual, you know? Some hmm. people run around and they, like, like touch things and we can climb and we have opposable thumbs. Like, we think very specific thoughts that humans think. This is just what humans do. Yeah. Whereas a dog, maybe the dog's perception of the world, the dog's umwelt, has a whole bunch more smell involved yeah. where they just like, that is a part of their sensation. Right. But they also see things and act differently, you know? Yeah. A dog has a, a wild perception that is way different than the human's perception. I love that. And it's not in a way to be like a dumber or better or worse or anything. There's just no different. comparison. No. It's just different. It's unique to that own organism and that unique uh, species of organisms, mm-hmm. even between birds, right?
0: So what's That's the cool part, is that it's not just... Umvel is not just uh, organism-specific. Yeah. It is, like, species-specific. Yeah. It's genus-specific. Mm-hmm. genus specific mm-hmm. It is in itself... A, t- a taxonomical pyramid.
1: Absolutely. It totally is and that and and it changes and affects all the other things up and around it as yeah. you go through. So it's not only it's it, they're, they're nested but they're also like like cross uh you know cross-pollinating a little bit. Mm-hmm. One thing nested inside of another, both of those things affect each other.
0: Yes, your umwelt affects me and mine yours. Yeah,
1: and like a tree, if you give a tree uh, an umwelt, which I think is the perfect way um, to see it as without anthropomorphizing in the sense where a lot of people hate anthropomorphizing trees. Yeah. We here have a little bit of a, well, it's a soft spot in our heart for it. But we also don't like to go too far. But if you say it's an organism, that's a fact. A tree is an organism. Mm-hmm. A plant is. That organism also perceives the world around it. People didn't think trees, they didn't think animals felt pain a while back. One of our listeners wrote in and gave us a good little bit about that. Yes. So, but it's also a fact that I think trees. You can say they perceive the world around them. Maybe we can boil it down to, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, just chemicals going into the other thing and then a reaction with other chemicals but that is their umwelt what's the difference between us yeah our, we just are that's all we have in our brain that's true so it is that's the umwelt they experience the amount of light the scent that's going on the moisture content the humidity the, all these things they're experiencing right? yeah so that's they also cool. i think have an umwelt, and i think that's the perfect german way to say it everything has an umwelt, an organism does
0: i'd like to do something yes the concept of Umvelt, uh huh, gets crose and stump of approval.
1: vagoosh yes. Oh, every time I get a stump of approval on something that we bring up, it yeah. just makes me. I don't get it, but I feel I, I take like a little credit for like having <laughs> it. So I'm like,
0: yes. It's a very, very fun concept that that really really opens up the mind. You start uh. thinking about you know. Yeah. Every living thing has an umwelt.
1: Yeah. And if you just give it the credit of having an umwelt, then you have a little bit of compassion for it. Yeah. You know? Okay. It's perceiving it. I don't need to say that it's, you know, necessarily sentient, Yeah, but it'd be better if you did. However, this whole topic I was so like worried about bringing up because I, I it's a complex topic and we've gone back and forth about this exact discussion several times Yes, where I was like, I got to get this right, but I was confident that we could. So the thing where, so is bringing the umwelt back to taxonomy. Every literal person and peoples have this folk taxonomy where they would be bringing this up. Um, in the book, they give some examples of like really strange taxonomy mm. where um, in certain tribes, they have a cassowary, which is a gigantic flightless bird. They actually see that as more closely related to man. It's a brother of the tribe of men because it's a two-legged creature walking around. Wow! So they'd say that actually is yeah. in this other category. It's not in the bird category. Sure. And then there's a bunch of other like little strange like, you know, idiosyncrasies that you see. And you're like, huh, that's... So really curious, but you can kind of imagine it. You're of like, course, that's how it is. That's how you saw it. So it also in the in the larger sense, or in one of those you know hierarchical categories. Yeah. you get that cultural uh, and the experiential thing where it made sense to them to put these categories like this because it was you know it, it helped them somehow, or mm-hmm. it just made sense. It doesn't matter if it helped or anything. Like yeah, okay, this is over here. But in an evolutionary sense, of course, this developed, Alex, because that's how we navigate the world, right? Yeah. You and I, together in a tribe, have to navigate this world as, our, as a big unit. So if we can name and order things, then we can navigate it. We know that tree uh, was really helpful to us. So this other tree that looks almost exactly like it, mm-hmm. probably also really helpful. Sure. Tasty, not tasty, dangerous—you name it. It has all the things. The 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 thorny things are bad. Everything that has a thorn, let's put that in a category of itself. It's bad, whether or not it's taxonomically correct. Don't go mess with the thorny things. Unless you know?
0: unless we're talking blackberries,
1: exactly. So then you know you you got this. You know it's a good berry. It's a bad berry. So so you you have maybe these crosses, but they're delicious, thorny or not. Casey, oh, disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah, just the fact that they're so pokey, Alex.
0: Oh, I thought you meant the berry itself.
1: Yeah. So Alex, I promised that I would wrap this back up. You did, uh, and put in a nice little bow on it. You right?
0: you knew my worries, Casey. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. I I rewrote this like three times last night wow. to make sure I could I could do this. And look then, at you, when it done, it, it worked out great. A
0: free podcast, folks. A
1: free podcast, you people
0: of quality.
1: <laughs> so the uh, this is where it gets really interesting with what we do. So everyone has a folk taxonomy, you know, and they're very diffuse over the entire planet. Yeah, and they are used even today in a common vernacular we call them today common names so Mm. someone calls it the gary oak someone else calls it the oregon white oak someone else calls it some other kind of oak we all call it so we had to linnaeus's brilliance and why he gets the credit that he deserves is he said let's let's create another whole other system above this that is universal across everything Mm. his universal language that he chose is latin And Latin, of course, is the basis of so many languages, especially in Europe. Yeah. Um, If not, it's also very closely related to those, what is the um, Proto-Indo-European languages. That's right. So all the way over into India, all those languages have like a big, almost, you know, you could find those all going down to one single ancestral language. It's their Latin. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. So they, uh, so he started this and he started to name these trees. So... The cypresses, he named that first one, that type species of the Italian cypress that was in his ballpark. It was in his wheelhouse. He said, yeah, there he goes, uh, Cypressus cypri- er, cyper- er, ah. sempervirens. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's the one. There weren't a whole lot of other cypresses growing around there. So once other people found them later in the world and elsewhere in the world and brought them over and said, oh, well, now Linnaeus has had this cool idea, we're going to call it this. So then they started calling everything a cypress in the genus Capressus. But then in some time in between the last century, people started to really split that apart with the new world cypresses the ones that found over in north and south america and then yeah. there is these other sections and then there's like in one of our websites uh, that you can go to there's five different papers from 2002 to 2012 and each one basically said we found a new a new one over here in vietnam we're going to give it xanthocyparis then we're going to split off capressus newt from from cypress, and there was like, no 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 we got to put Cami uh, new contensis back into Capresis. And then we got to add this one as Xanthocyparis. That still stays over there. And like, no, 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 no. All these ones are Hesperocyparis. And then this one over here, we're going to keep that as, as Capressis. No, no, no. That one should be Calatropsis because that's the old one. Oh, my God. So let's split that back up. And then someone said, well, they're really closely related to the junipers. So let's just like maybe push them closer. And then you're pulling your hair out, like reading through this. Yeah. I'm pulling my hair out, listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> good so at the end of the day they ended up creating like these a bunch of different things and lumping and splitting and lumping and splitting yeah and the one thing that stayed basically pure is this one type species (sighs) of the the italian cypress because that is the thing that can't change like that's the rock solid cypress tree everything else moving around was coming in and coming out of what it is already the you know the sturdy pole stuck in the ground the last bit, Alex, to pull this all together.
0: Okay, an epilogue, if an you will. An
1: epilogue, if you will. This tree is named cypress. Correct. Cypress comes from the old French cypré, which is from modern mm. French cyprès. Okay. Which that comes from the late Latin cypressus, which comes from the normal Latin capressus. Boom. Linnaeus says, okay, this is, like, in Latin, their term for this tree is capressus. Therefore, this will be capressus sempervirens, the evergreen cypress. Okay. That would be, so that's where he went back. Capressus comes from Greek, kyperiso, And that probably comes from some pre-Greek Mediterranean language, which is in the realm where this tree is native, where everyone has been interacting with it and naming and organizing all of the plants in the entire area. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, this is also the case where the name, the common name that we use in English has a direct line to the initial original name in some weird old Greek, *Chypirisos*, uh, that is likely the OG folk taxonomic name for this plant. Wow! So, in this case, because it is a plant that was in the uh, in the realm of Carl Linnaeus when he created his official scientific taxonomy, that everyone says this is actually a really good way to do it. Yeah. He was also in certain places of like a lot of European species The folk taxonomy and the scientific taxonomy are the same damn thing. Wow. So this tree has like all these connections that come back. It's the only thing that's stable. It's the type species, and it is also the folk taxonomic name for this tree, just, you know, translated and and transformed over a couple thousand years of, of, you know, language evolution. Mm -hmm. So that is the epilogue to, to, to add that next like little cherry on top, where- It's just, it's a crazy saga about taxonomy and how it approaches this tree specifically and then all of its brothers and sisters away from it.
0: Casey, I can't imagine a better time (laughs) to go into our review of the Italian Cypress. Mwah, I say.
1: Oh, it's an Italian chef's kiss.
0: (laughs) Uh, Here's how we do it. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of honor. Casey. Alex. As our resident expert, we begin with you.
1: All right. I love this tree. And I'm going to say that specifically in comparison to the Arborvita. A lot of people would be like, this looks like the arborvita sure it grows straight up like the arborvita it does yeah i agree the one thing is this tree is a little bit tougher than arborvita Mm -hmm. and it can grow in almost any kind of soil conditions it just kind of you put in the ground it's probably going to be okay as long as you put in the ground right and it's not too watery the arborvita also tend to grow up really spindly and then just kind of like tip over and like have one big branch break off and tip over in an ice storm right, or something. Right, The Italian cypress does not do that near as bad. It maybe has a little tip, or a little bit kind of pulls out, but it can kind of chill like that for a while and it can respond and be just perfectly fine. Mm. So it has a bunch of uh, qualities that everyone wants in our but it has them in spades. Casey, are you
0: saying that the Italian cypress is the thinking man's arborvita?
1: I think that's exactly what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. The Casey, are you saying that the Italian cypress is the discerning arborist's arborvita?
1: That is exactly. I would call it the discerned arborvita. The
0: evolved that's, yeah, arborvita. That's
1: my folk taxonomic term for it. It's <laughs> the evolved arborvita. Take the arborvita, <laughs> throw
0: it in the fucking trash. Replace it with a with an Italian cypress because you're getting the same thing but better in every regard.
1: Exactly, and you can probably not water it and it'll be fine after it's established. Yeah. So there's that. However, I also have to note that it is still just this little teeny tiny skinny tree. So it doesn't get you. It doesn't get you a lot, but it has that classical boom 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 rowness to it. Like it's yeah. used, like you're saying, as a museum tree.
0: It serves a purpose.
1: Spectacular. However, that's where it ends. Don't plant it in your street unless you've planted it to look cool next to another big gigantic tree that you're mm. planting. It's a tree that everyone's like, oh, I just want this nice skinny tree. You're not using it as a tree in that case. You're using it as like a, a vertical green column. That is a great use for it, but it must end there. However, I think it's still a fine use. So it kind of has these pluses, kind of has a minus. Uh I'm giving it big points for being like, again, this one singular thing that stands perfectly clear when the rest of the world around it is buzzing by in blurriness. Yes. I love that about this tree. And I love where it grows. So I'm going to give it like a... It's going to be a 7.5 exactly.
0: I think that's a wonderful score, Casey. It feels good. To me, that's like, you know, like sometimes we'll give like a really solid score yeah like a really well deserved 6.0 yeah it's like like it
1: didn't scrape up to there
0: yeah it's like congratulations on this Mm 6.0 i think mm -hmm. that's 7.5 to the talent and i'm doing this a lot with my yeah i see it
1: yeah for those of you who don't see he's he's clasping all of his fingers together at a point yeah as if he is holding a pinch of salt in his hand yes upright
0: it's it's a little stereotypical but (laughs) that's fine hey
1: sometimes you gotta feel it you know
0: uh casey 7.5 wonderful score here's what i have to say what do you got i love this subject this folk taxonomy this is one of those sometimes you'll bring, sometimes we'll go a whole episode without sparking my interest at all i'm sorry <laughs> that's okay it's, it's, uh,
1: just, it's it, honestly i signed up for it when we decided
0: just, to do this it's just part of my Umfeld, okay it is um however uh at the beginning of this episode i i'm i'm very tired today i didn't sleep last night mm-hmm. you said well a little i was a little low energy you said well i hope that i can spark your interest with this subject Uh you said i think i can yes i think i can i think i can i think i can said the casey train (laughs) chugging up the hill of alex's waning brain cells (laughs) and you know what casey Uh, alex's waning brain cells yeah that's your next album dot com (laughs) dot com uh you did, Casey. I did. You told a fantastic uh. story. In fact, we just applied for the Webbies. I think we should have added best episode on there. Oh, get and out! And done of this here. one. One of my favorite things. Uh, one of my favorite uh, yarns you've ever spun on this show. Truly,
1: really, you did a
0: fantastic job.
1: Oh, yes. Okay, this. I'm so happy. That makes me. That really makes me feel good. Alex. That
0: and that's just a compliment for you. Well, that, thanks. That's, that's not a. That's not <laughs> back g- to the Italian going story. into <laughs> my score. <laughs> um well thank you yeah really fantastically told uh uh, well a scientific journalist will make of you yet yeah
1: sounds good i I just i I appreciate it uh
0: thanks you're welcome um I started thinking about folk taxonomy. I'm very interested in that. Mm-hmm. I started thinking, what are some other like folk tax... And I immediately thought, we've talked about the river fir before, which is a folk taxonomical name for the Don Redwood. That's right. Of the peoples in China around uh, the where, where the Don Redwood is native. Exactly. I also thought we were, you were talking about the Greeks. I also, what popped in my head was... Uh, hippopotamus, which uh-huh. translates directly to river horse,
1: yeah, which is hilarious.
0: And I love any sort of like uh, this is that thing, but this version of it. Yeah, that's a horse, but it's in the river. Yeah, yeah. They do uh,
1: French uh, in French. A potato is a pomme de terre, an apple de of de the terre. earth. Yeah, it's exactly. It. I
0: love that shit. That's yeah. so good, and that's a great way to th- to uh, categorize things. Um, I I love doing it constantly. I I like the sort of type speciesness. Of the Italian Cypress. I like that it's Italian. I like its form. I like its function. I like its cone. Hmm? I'm giving it I'm you know what I'm right there with you, Casey. 7.5 golden 7 Cones
1: point of honor. 7.5. I love yeah. it when we land on the same the same thing. I think the consistency means that uh we we see it the same way. Yes. From yes, different totally. perspectives. Totally.
0: We're on the same page here. Yeah. Uh, and to the to the Italian Cypress we say ciao bella. Ciao bella. Casey. It's time for a completely arbitrary Q&A. This week, our question's from Marie. Hi, Marie. Hello, Marie. Marie says, my background is in ornithology, the study of birds, mm. yes. and wetland restoration and mitigation And I love all things native plants, Casey. Ah,
1: yes, yes, yes.
0: I now work for a county environmental department in Maryland. Okay. We often require landowners to replace or replant trees if they do silly things like cutting down trees without permission in the critical area. Casey, you have some familiarity with this. (laughs) I sure
1: do. Silly is a very kind and gentle way to say it.
0: (laughs) We require these replacements to be native and provide a list of suggestions based on the region, soil, moisture, amount of sun, etc. Okay. However... There aren't too many native plant suppliers locally. So, are cultivars and varietals of native species as good as straight-up natives Mm. in terms of ecological benefits? For example... Red maples grow well here, and every garden store has a cultivar. Yeah, are they as beneficial for animal food habitat, helping native pollinators, supporting native insects, hardiness, etc.? Gosh, I love that list! Thanks so much, Marie. Marie, thank you so much. Casey, what do you think? Are the cultivars and varietals Mm -hmm. as good as the natives? As good as the native species, when it comes to ecological benefit.
1: Yeah, very good question, Mr. President. <laughs> Mr. President, we need an answer. Damn it! <laughs> My I... fingers over this red button. <laughs> you push me one more time, Croson. Yes, I think. Uh, I think that it. I think it does. But it, there's a sliding scale, you know. Oh sure, and like with most things. Yeah. So if it is is such a wacky tree that. It is like, it's not growing big enough or small enough or has a certain like, um, it's, it's grafted onto a rootstock that isn't as good or something like that. Then you can get a tree that doesn't compete with everything else around it mm-hmm. or isn't from the same provenance of a certain place. Are you familiar with that term?
0: Uh, it's a city in Rhode Island, Casey. Yeah,
1: okay, you're right. <laughs> We're talking about Maryland here. No, provenance is where something's from, like a a seed that is Mm. um, born from a tree that grew up and is from a line of trees that grew up and lived in Georgia. Okay. You take those seeds and you plant them in, let's say, New Jersey, then that tree will then open up its leaves because when the light Mm. and uh, everything lines up for it, it'll be like, it's springtime. Right. It's not actually going to be. So the cultivars a lot of times are grown elsewhere with different weird things going on with it. And so you don't necessarily know the provenance. You don't know the genes. You don't know if that the rootstock is good. Like there's a lot of questions and unknowns. Okay. Surely you can trace this and ask these questions. And they say, yeah, this is, you know, a weird cultivar from over here. Um, then you might be able to. But the other thing that comes along with it is cultivars are varieties that we cultivated that were some wacky mutation of the tree. Now, if that was a successful mutation in the tree, it probably would have already been an established um like thing within the the natural areas. Sure. Does that make some amount of sense? Sort of an
0: adoptive native species.
1: Uh, yeah. Well <laughs> and also if you if you have like, you know, you have a whole big population of trees and this is, you know, million years ago, and then one of those trees puts out some weird mutation that, if we humans a million years ago saw that, we'd been like, oh yeah, totally, that's beautiful. It's like this weeping thing, or has a different color, or something like mm-hmm. that. We take that away, we make it into a cultivated variety. It's only live because of people. Now, if that, if we fast forward through that one million years and just give that population time, that mutation is either going to survive or not survive like it could just be cold out of the population and if it's cold out that means it was an unsuccessful not not like uh good mutation it didn't offer some advantage or okay. some positive thing to that tree so the tree dies and then we don't see that mutation maybe it pops up again and just randomly and then it it dies out again and it does this over millions of years if that was a useful uh, mutation then it would be now it would survive more and you'd see it throughout the population and it would become a part of that tree's genes right and that's evolution It's evolution so cultivars are us basically taking those trees out of evolution and making them work uh, just because we are taking care of them okay but if it was put back in the uh in the normal area that gene or whatever those traits are probably aren't really good So the the jury is out. I bet you they're going to be good for all the things. The leaves are still going to be edible for the native flora. Sure. They'll still have flowers that the native insects and things will want to get involved with. They'll still rot with the same disease or the same things.
0: But there's probably a marginal marginal? detraction in efficiency. Marie, thank you so much for your question. If you have a question for Casey about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod at gmail.com join us on Instagram at arbitrary pod or support this podcast patreon.com slash arbitrary pod please as always if you have two minutes rate and review this podcast five star reviews only Casey
1: Alex uh,
0: you didn't you didn't hear my little I was being quippy
1: oh what oh I looked in my email <laughs> that's okay good one
0: I don't listen to everything you say uh, Casey Alex that's the end of this grand episode oh, of Completely Arbitrary. But
1: is it the end of the story, Alex? Casey, what oh, say you? Well, unbeknownst to you, dear listener, this is a two-parter. <gasps> Wait, yeah, I knew this. <laughs> I know, oh, yeah. Well, you, yeah. Well, you, yeah. <laughs> but I, I love the dramatic. Alex, next week, we are going to finish up our conversation on taxonomy. That's right. And it's going to be a load of pedantic bullshit. Hell yeah. But it is... The it's the the scientific uh, logical end uh, of this ecosystem mm. where it decays down into s- the simple nuts and bolts. So it's an update as to where taxonomy is now, where you get people being like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Where the science and the uh, the folk taxonomy as we see the world come at odds. And again, it's just it's pedantic, but
0: it has a place. Next week, Casey and Alex put taxonomy into an early grave. We sure do. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next week. Arrivederci. Ciao.
1: Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork
0: is by Gillian Barthold and our music is by Abe's and the Mini Vandals.
1: And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrary pod.
0: And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening.